everyone. This is Kevin Eslin, and you're listening to another episode of Folk Stories. First of all, happy 2019. Uh, welcome to the new year. For those of you new to the show, Folk Stories is a podcast where we talk to awesome people and explore the stories and lessons that they have to share. Today's episode features two guests, Mark Michael and Daniel West, CEO and CTO, respectively, and also co-founders of DevHub, a white-label technology platform that powers some of the world's most recognizable brands. Companies hire DevHub to create brand pages at scale, sometimes a few hundred at a time. Mark and Daniel first met in high school and have been working together as business partners ever since. At DevHub, Mark handles the business and marketing side of things, whereas Daniel defines the technical roadmap and closes deals. In today's episode, we'll talk about Mark and Daniel's history, the early days of DevHub and how the two founders deal with conflict, and where DevHub is today and where the founders hope to take it. And now, without further ado, I give you Mark and Daniel. Mark and Daniel, welcome to Fork Stories. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, you know, thank you for having us. I appreciate you coming here. Yeah, thank you. So there's a lot of places where we could start, but I figured, um, at the, why don't we start from your beginnings, how you guys first met, and kind of your history that has led you to um, start DevHub and where you are now. And I realize that's a very broad kind of <laughs> no, question. Well, I, like, I, I cried, laughed, and everything in my head just now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good. It's a good to remember that that stuff. I mean. I'll let Daniel actually tell, the, I guess, the beginning part of the story. But, I mean, as you can kind of tell behind you as we move to kind of like the new offices, which you're in right now, um, from where we were on the third floor on the 4th and Blanchard building, you can kind of see all the articles kind of behind you. But basically, Daniel and I have been together for a minute. Yeah, so we started kind of, I mean, we met in high school, um, got into kind of technology, web stuff, um, then and then kind of through went to college together basically we're roommates uh, kind of running various different sort of uh, companies mainly around kind of creative solutions for sites uh, different sort of product stuff uh, as we left college moved over to Seattle uh, and then kind of kicked up sort of a development shop where we were building out um, you know prototype kind of uh, web applications when they were very early so this is probably like 2000 seven ish 2006 seven um and then we'd always basically spend some time uh kind of just doing kind of like r&d fun kind of projects on the side instead of client work and one of those kind of caught the attention of some people and then we decided to kind of go all in and kind of raise money which we hadn't done in the past uh to kind of kick that project off and kind of kind of lead our own destiny on that side versus like strictly going with kind of client-based work you mentioned that when you guys were in college, um, you were already experimenting with different sorts of uh, companies and things you could build. Did you always know that you wanted to build a business versus work for someone else, or did that? Hundred percent. I knew that at seventeen. I like you. I mean, no, I cannot. I can't work for anybody else. I mean, we do, right? Customers, investors, shareholders, our employees, for sure. But no, no, I cannot work for anybody else. I knew that forever. Yeah, for sure. Was there something that prompted that realization, or was it? I mean, honestly, I'll be. T- I just don't believe this is me, and we're two different people. I don't believe anyone is smarter than somebody else. You know, if someone's willing to work at anything, I think they can do whatever they want to do. Pending, you know, you're healthy and there's nothing like adverse 
you know, I, I believe anyone can do anything. And so when I've, I've never compared myself to anybody, you know, but I also believe like I'm ridiculously smart, <laughs> you know, but like kind of head smart, you know, not like book smart, obviously, you know, and I just, I don't take no for an answer, like the usual stuff, thick skin, you know, yeah. Yeah, and my side was always just like the kind of creative nature of it, being able to kind of set your own kind of thoughts and ideas on where you want to take things and, you know, not fitting into a traditional kind of like... I just want to throw you under the bus real quick. Yeah. Am I allowed to do that? I mean, this is is like a part of our history, you know? I was going to say, Daniel loves money. Yes, I do love money. You know, and I honestly, like, for whatever that's worth, besides being ridiculously on the tech side, you know, like... You know, there's that side of it all, too. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, starting kind of uh, young, understanding, like, you know, you know, seeing, you know, potential and things and different sort of ways that we could leverage that into, you know, using technology and skills. Like, we weren't building anything physical, but the kind of, you know, the digital realm of being able to make money off of the digital products was super intriguing and ways that we could scale that. So. And um, I was looking on your website, and the history of DevHub seems like a long and winding path where you went through, and it's almost like a drama where there are multiple points where um, it seems like your customer base shifted, where your business shifted. Could you, um, for people who aren't familiar, give us a highlight reel, if you could, of the events that have transpired at your company? Can we do it? Yeah. So, you know, we raised a couple million bucks to do what it is we don't do today. Basically, in 2010, when that money was running out, we took a step back from what we were trying to build and realized that all we had was like a cool way to build websites, which was kind of like not a cool thing to have in 2010. But because we raised money from like seven of the greatest kind of VC slash angels between here, LA, New York, and San Francisco, uh, we just didn't want to be the people that had to duck if they walked in at a restaurant we were at. Um, so when um, kind of like in the darkest hour, uh, should I stop there? No. Keep going? All right. So then um, kind of the darkest hour in October 2010, we got a call from what I think all of us would know is like a traditional media company. So I think newspaper, radio, TV, Yellow Pages are like, hey, you guys are getting a ton of press and like TechCrunch and all that stuff when it was kind of at its peak. They're like, would you ever consider licensing your platform um, so we can build digital products, i.e. websites, along our traditional ad sales, right? So buy a yellow page, get a website, blah, blah, blah. We're like, oh, my God, we're about to be rich. You know, like, this is huge. They're like, we'll pay you six figures. We'll pay you a monthly license fee. That was not even our business. We're like, yes, of course, we'll take it. We had no more money. Um, We went from 30-ish people down to three. You know, we're like, yes, we'll take it. We did it. Um, And it was the most painful five years of my life. (laughs) <laughs> between 2010, October 2010 and basically January 1st, 2016, we closed, and I'm lying right now, but I'm not. Like, basically, we closed every major media company on the planet to, you know, license our platform, white label it, you know, and start building small business websites. But in those six years, which I think is an important part of our story today, Daniel and team, as we started to do better slowly, 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 innovated the F word out of the platform so that like the problem is like selling a small business website is ridiculously hard like I mean God bless GoDaddy and all the people that can do support calls forever to help someone you know drag and drop a module onto a page like we're not that company Um, we do have that technology too and so basically 
all the ways to figure out how to automate the process of building a small business website, you know, whether that's talking about a specific vertical or whatever um, helped. So then in 2016, uh, we started getting calls. Is that industry, media companies, traditional media companies merged, split off, uh, acquired other companies as part of their company, started getting smarter in working with brands. They're like, hey, we want to do blank at, you know, we want to build a thousand of these for this national brand, or fourteen thousand of these at this national brand, or one hundred and sixty of these AK sites, but instantly and unique across yeah. the board. We were totally there for to do that instead of waiting for six years for them to sell one website one by one by one by one, which they eventually did into the seventy thousand plus range, hundred thousand plus. Yeah, it just took a forever yeah. for them. I mean, you basically spend you know twelve sixteen months closing the deal with one of these kind of larger media companies, and then you spend the next. 16, 24 months training their sales team to actually sell that product, especially if they hadn't sold digital in the past, which a lot of these companies hadn't. So the scaling was uh, very difficult and just time consuming. Eventually they get there and it's very sticky as far as revenue goes, but it's like not, you know, it's not going to boost your company uh, getting these deals. So when we were more engaging higher up the food chain to these brands, uh, brands, franchises, multi-location national brands, there's a lot more of instant scale. It's like, hey, we have a thousand locations and we need to do marketing campaigns for each. So it's like instant scale and that's what our platform is built to do. So. so at this point, I guess the million dollar or however many dollar question uh, is, how did you manage that turnaround? Because you know, from the outside, it seems like you guys were down money ropes, you've downsized, you sweet people, you were running out of money. How did you go from that point to signing as you would say, like all the major brands. We, honestly, we built, we went back to our roots and started doing freelance stuff to keep the lights on. Yeah. If that's the question, yeah. like we basically did whatever it takes to bring dollars in the door that was not even related to our business. Yeah. But because, then investing yeah. that money back into the overall technology yeah. that we saw as the growth potential. Uh, so there's a period of time where we were doing things that were either close closely aligned or not even related yeah. and getting closer and closer every single every single year of that period getting closer to the deals and the customizations we were doing we're getting closer and closer to our product focus and now like you know once that sort of turning point hit then you know then we were able to have enough sustainability to support you know strictly our centralized product uh, is where we're at you know and, and that's what we've grown with we still engage our clients heavily in regards to like helping them scale uh, but it's really strategy uh, processes things like that um, versus kind of custom work as much and maybe now it's also a good time to talk a little bit more about your product as it is today um, what is your elevator pitch or just how would you describe the solutions that you guys are offering uh it's basically a white label platform that allows you to build any kind of digital experience. Digital experience today, meaning a single page landing page to a multi page website and everything in between. Today. Yeah. Today. So that's so the core kind of product technology. Uh, kind of our sweet spot with the technology is basically anything at scale. So if you're building, 
you know, five websites, ten websites, uh, you know, you're, that's not what our platform is made to do. It's for the, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of sites and to have a repeatable process that you can put in place to scale it successfully so that you can have a centralized control over an experience, but then be able to have individual customizations on an individual basis for each of those products that are rolled out. And then it's all through automation and data. So like basically avoiding any sort of manual process for provisioning and instead leaning to more of a strategy and using data to automate everything. So for like my parents who hopefully will listen to this, um, it's like, you know, a dealer network, let's say of 160 websites selling any type of product, whether it's cars or paints or whatever, to be able to build out first 160 websites, let's say on our platform. Then let's say regionally, only certain places have a certain type of product to be able to quickly, you know, identify with a data feed that those stores have this product. But then let's say at the global level to roll out a campaign that's maybe only for half the stores versus all the stores to have all those flexibilities. If you did that, the way you would do that today without us is do that one by one by one by one. And to do that across 160 sites would just take you ridiculously long. And obviously we make that super fast. And that's why brands and the technology companies that deploy us love it. And how do people find you? Um, is it generally that they reach out to you or do you do some, some sort of outbound marketing? For anyone that's listening, we, I would say in the most, the nicest way possible, and it's really hard for me not to just tell the truth right now, uh, we reach out to no less than, let's just say, 5,000 people a week. And reach via out LinkedIn, via LinkedIn, email, email, email marketing. Um, basically that. Yeah, and we're because we're typically engaging with brands and agencies, technology providers, um, because we are typically behind the scenes. We're a white label platform. Uh, our name necessarily is not showing on anything. Uh, the actual individual dealers or even the brand sometimes uh, don't even see it because we're typically behind an agency that's bringing some sort of general strategy. It might be. Uh, campaign management, it might be process management, it might be channel management. So they're they're bringing that kind of uh, that those tool sets to the mix, and then we're typically behind the scenes helping them execute. Um, so you know, like a lot of our stuff is making those relationships with those kind of potential clients that might have you know five, ten, twenty brands that they work with. Uh, so we're reaching out to them via email marketing outbound. Uh, but typically, it's harder to sell our products through traditional kind of just like direct, uh, you know, direct marketing with, you know, advertising things like that. It's a lot of it's uh, still on the relate building up a relationship and trust with these agencies and brands and things. And that would be the part that I hate the most about the business is because I would love to brag, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do via my voice right now. But let me set the picture for you. We're in an office. There's a tank on the wall, like an actual tank with a glowing laser beam. Through these windows, if you look, you see the Puget Sound. Through these other windows, Kevin, don't say anything that you're about to see, but you see all those logos up there? Those are all brands that are basically powered with our platform, and as you can tell, there's some really big ones up there. The problem is, like, most of those, if you talk to them, they have no idea we exist because we're behind their technology provider, you know, Um, even though we're the ones powering the thing. So it kind of sucks. I also think it's kind of a blessing since we're second-tier support to them, too, you know, for, like, basic stuff. That would be, like, just refresh your computer or something kind of <laughs> support, you know. So it's actually really, really nice. I think we've been able to grow significantly in the last, let's say, 17 months. 
because people don't know that we're around and the ones that do I think secretly you know tell people like yo we're doing this all with DevHub you know and then that's I think helped a lot and so yeah yeah I think it's quite incredible to see where you guys have taken where you, um, from 2010 where you were to <laughs> all those shiny logos on the wall there yeah um, doing you know what you described as the worst five years of your life at any point, did you ever think, you know, what am I doing? Maybe I should just get a day job. Every single second. <laughs> Every single second. I mean, I again, I'm 36 now. When we started that company, we started this that company, this company, because to me, this is the company that we should have always had, you know. But um, yeah, because we yeah during that time, obviously, we had like the what we don't do today. So we basically pivoted three times, significant like change to the way that we're approaching the business still uh, foundation still related to digital yeah. experience type stuff yeah though. so a co- common thread but like target market uh how we are approaching the product was changed multiple times and the last you know phase has been yeah. consistent we've, we've gotten three cash offers in the last also 17 months to be acquired um we've gotten two i would say unsolicited deals for investment you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think about a lot of stuff every day. <laughs> like my my opinion changes to the second. So this is being recorded on whatever day this is at eleven fifty eight p.m. I don't know how you how the seventeenth. Okay, cool. I didn't know if you tell people the seventeenth or not. <laughs> like right now, my opinion is I think in life. This is Mark Michael. Um, I think you're really lucky to build one great company, let alone let's say three. I have what I would want to do next, but I mean, I know what it took to build this, and I'm not going to let it go unless we can't build it into what I think it can become. And right now, this is 99% of my focus is building this into what I think it can become. But I do have other ideas. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> but it's, it's, so it's hard. It's, uh, what did Steve Shop say, like, building great products it's saying no to like a hundred good ideas yeah. so you can focus on the few great I know. ideas he also said I think you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect them looking back yeah. and I think one of the things that made us extremely lucky is that you know we have investors right all the name brands that, that anyone can name in Seattle um, and some in LA and some in New York or actually one in New York and uh, in San Francisco and since we've been around for so long, I think we've earned a pretty good reputation with everybody, uh, knowing that, like, these are the guys that are going to see it through, you know? So we have, like, almost zero pressure from investors or even our board to do anything that, you know, we would not want to do. So even when those deals come in to be acquired or investment, they're like, you know, like, you guys, whatever you... I think in the end, whatever you guys decide as the co-founders, you know, decide to do... Um, it's up to you guys. And I think that that's the lucky part of our story, you know, um, that we have not been, had like that distraction. Because, I mean, if you ask any of our investors, you know, someone else will, I'm sure, one day, whether whatever happens here, you know, they would have been like, yeah, no, those guys were dead in 2010. Right. You know, and so, yeah. So you guys made it, managed to come around from 2010, and you guys have worked together for a long time, since high school, it yeah. sounds like. During that time, how has your, let's say, like business relationship or relationship in general, 
uh, changed? Has it changed? Like, how do you guys work together, I, and how do your skills complement each other? I'm not going to answer that, but I might have. I, I might am be answering it right now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I would say there was two significant mistakes we made, but I'll only focus on one. Like, I kind of doubted. I would say, at least on my side. You know my skills because I kind of sometimes I think I come across as a little rougher on the edges, you know, not polished or whatever. Um, and then obviously Daniel, I always tell everyone Daniel's the closer, you know. And so every time we got to a that's good, true, that's pl- what you told me. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I want to have Daniel the closer. Yeah, yeah. well, because you know I can I can be all excited and hyped up, but then if someone else is like this guy's an idiot, you know, then it's like fuck, it's not real, you know. And so basically, um, you know, I I think every time we brought somebody in to help us blow out the business. Um, AKA an industry professional who's been there, done that, da 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 da. Like, they didn't do anything different than what we were doing, you know? And when we did that twice, we had a third founder. Um, he politely resigned in 2011. Um, we still like him. Um, and we had a CEO that we brought in that, you know, we also parted ways with. Um, God, that was nice of me. Um, and, uh, See, I'm getting older, man. I'm, getting more mm-hmm. pro- I'm trying to become more professional. <laughs> um, and our customers told us the reason we do any business is because of Daniel and you. You know? And, like, I always thought, like, you know, it's like they needed to hear something from somebody. I was like, no. Like, we like you guys. You're the reason we're doing this. You know, obviously your technology is the greatest thing I've ever seen in the world. You know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if we can do a live pitch, I swear to God, we're not even stage it. Like, you would see people's reactions. just like, it's like where have you guys been? Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, they sell themselves into it, you know, and that's basically after Daniel's done talking to them. That's why I say he's the closer. So, yeah. I mean, the business relationship, I, to answer your question, it's he's product, innovation, closing, da 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 We talk every single morning about, like, what's up, and I think the benefit of the two of us, whether it's we, that we've worked together so long or just having two founders... There's no one else making the decision but us. And so he has his opinion. I have my opinion. They can be totally off, you know. And he never really says no. I never really say no. And at the end of the day, we both want to build this thing. So there's never really any kind of stalemate or anything. And we're, we're learning. Unfortunately, I always tell people we've also made three million mistakes, you know. And so it's like, oh, yeah, hiring yeah, that's right. Getting the paperwork in place. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah. just evolved over time. Just um, f- figuring out each other's strong suits, um, and then you know, just applying things that we've learned uh, during that time to be as productive as possible. Um, obviously, like Mark said, we've made pretty much every mistake possible, but you only make that mistake the first time, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because eventually you would hit it, and you know we hit it at times where we were flexible enough as people to figure it out and roll with it, but that, you know, if you later on in life, if you get surprised, then that's where you fall off. Um, so I think it's kind of evolved in that process, and you know, like we have kind of just grown together as uh, just running the business. We're, co- we're technically co-CEOs of this company. Yeah. Like the only title I have differently than him, co-founder, co-CEO. Technically, he would be CTO, and then for some reason, I have president. You know, like that's the only difference. But there, everything else is like, you know, it's what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know, it's like that. Yeah, and we're basically just uh, we're family at this point so it's yeah, you know that's, we're, that's the nicest we thing. hang so out I can't, if I look at him right now I will cry 
we still hang out together we still you know hang out with each other's families and you know it's just a a good relationship overall yeah yeah something that i've heard before and also uh, encountered is this advice of like be careful when you're like working together with your friends or people that you're close with especially when starting a business because it can it's kind of like marriage like it's you share everything together, and it's very. It can be very rough times. In a in a weird way, I would say we probably started off though as business partners. Yeah. Before we became friends. Yeah. So when like we first even in high school, yeah. it was like, more of like, hey, let's make some money and yeah. you know, figure out some cool, you know, technology stuff yeah. versus being like, you know, friends that played video games together for yeah. a year. It wasn't like that. It was stuff, like so. you know, and then it grew into that yeah so the business yeah. side came first and then the friendship yeah. developed on that yeah for some reason i'm thinking of the it's not exactly the scenario but i've heard for arranged marriages <laughs> this idea that well this you have somebody chosen for you and then the relationship will develop from that because yeah. there's no like oh if i had somebody else <laughs> kind of mentality yeah mm-hmm. um so i've worked with a couple of friends on projects in the past, some of them um, more seriously and for clients. And I've noticed that sometimes when you have two people with strong opinions and no third arbiter, like we would get stuck in, well, I think I'm right and I think I'm right. And um, taking, figuring out a way to solve that sometimes took a lot of time and a lot of emotions that in retrospect would have been better spent elsewhere. I'm wondering, did you guys run into those situations, and how did you guys navigate? I mean, I think uh, in general, it's probably just the way that our uh, personalities overlap. And, you know, like me personally, with anybody that I work with, um, and, you know, when I'm interfacing with people, if I, if I like, see that they have an expert in a certain sort of, like, approach or, you know, technology or things, I'm not going to, like, I mean, I will take their advice. Like, I'm not strong-headed in that side so i think just probably just the overlap like we don't have a lot of things that are like super competing opinions and if they are then we you know discuss it and then either like we discuss it and then one of us just pushes anyway and just yeah. does that anyway that's or, exactly what i was gonna say i was like i was yeah. waiting for you to, i was gonna be like well i didn't you know yeah you're exactly right because basically like if we're both like no that's stupid or whatever or if we're both like no that's stupid obviously we're agreeing then but if i'm like this is sick like we should totally do it like this and he's like dude that makes no sense and I'll just sit there and be like, you know, maybe he's right. Like, it makes no sense. But, like, and I'll still hit send or whatever it is, you know? And then, like, I'm like, dude, sorry. I had to do it, man. Like, you know, like, I apologize. Like, you know, that ask for forgiveness, not permission, you know? And then, you know, like, like then then we'll find out really quickly who is right and wrong, you know? And if I was right, oh, my God, I'll start dancing. <laughs> you know? And if I was wrong, you know, my head's down. I'm like, I'm hella sorry, man. Like, I did not. You were probably right. I didn't, you know, so it's like, you're not really being, you're not, you're not getting stuck because you're still kind of doing it. Sometimes the third person to me, I always equate it to like ordering pizza. Like we like pepperoni, this guy likes Hawaiian, you know? And then all of a sudden, like, you know, he eats one of our slices of pepperoni and none of us are going to touch Hawaiian. (laughs) Like it's effed up. We all ate, you know, but he got a whole half. I'm not eating Hawaiian pizza. We're eating freaking pepperoni, you know? Or half and half, you know. But to have that third person, I think it screws it way up because I feel like it's someone's being ganged up on. Yeah, that's true. It's 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 not balanced. Yeah. And something that 
Um, we talked a lot about at Amazon, actually, is this notion of one-way doors. And this idea that a one-way door is a decision that if you commit to, you can't go back. So that would be like adding a new prime benefit or you know, making a new feature launch. Because once that goes on, if it goes bad, like you can't pull that back. Um, and so you should think very carefully before you do a one-way door. But most decisions are not one-way doors. They're two-way doors in which you can launch something. If it fails, it fails. But nothing bad happens. You know, you get data, and then you get to move on from that. And if the decision is a two-way door, and the cost of trying it out is relatively low, then sometimes the way to um, find out is just to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, Daniel, um, I heard from Mark that you are self-taught as a programmer. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, now that you are in CTO of this tech company, mm-hmm. and how how do you feel like your background of being self-taught has helped or hindered you in this process? Uh, I think, um, you know, when first starting out in a company, you know, like typically we were, so before we started this company, we were doing more of like uh, kind of dev uh, like dev development projects for people. They were kind of one-off projects. Um, so in that case, you know, we were still a very small team at that time. We didn't have like huge employees. So I say one of the hindrances was be able to kind of evaluate across the board uh, all different skill sets from, you know, uh, you know, kind of more on the server management, DevOps side to programming to database management, all those different pieces that I didn't have, you know, industry knowledge. And I also didn't have the kind of traditional kind of, you know, background around that. So, you know, hiring too fast, you know, not pinpointing certain things in the beginning. Obviously, now that we've built up, you know, knowledge in the space of everything, you know, we've been able to make really key hires as we built the company back up with kind of strong suits in our technology stack and all that stuff. Uh, I think the the benefits is that I've, you know, basically just, you know, been able to, you know, have just a creative outlook on trying new stuff out, like, um, you know, self-taught. I kind of would learn pretty much everything just from the internet. Like, I, I had no, like, mentor teaching me. So you have a lot of opportunities to just, like, see things that look cool, try it out. So I think that's helped uh, with just being able to, like, plan products, plan things that are going to be scalable versus not. Um, so I think that's probably been the most strongest piece. And I wonder, when you are hiring candidates now, does that uh, also ref- reflect how you choose candidates? For example, if you're looking at a candidate who doesn't have, like, formal schooling, um, I guess more generally, like, how do you evaluate candidates? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. there's the, like... Kind of like if you want to speak a little bit to the culture part. So culture is important to us. We're still a small team. Uh, someone that's going to like kind of roll with the way that we roll, and you know, be able to kind of adapt to you know, kind of the chaos that can happen with a smaller company. Uh, but as far as evaluating, you know, individuals for kind of more on the developer side, uh, you know. I do lean towards things that people would do outside of a traditional workspace, um, you know, like even pet projects, people that like are interested in technology outside of just getting a paycheck and a nine to five. So all that stuff are like the, the pluses and then real work uh, experience or self, you know, individual products, projects uh, before it was, even when we were hiring before like GitHub was a big, big thing. It was like, like show us some stuff that you've done like code wise 
Uh, now with GitHub, it's obviously easier to kind of evaluate what someone is up to because typically they're pushing up there, they're pushing their projects. So if they have like a weird side project, they have their code up there and you see like, hey, this guy's been actively working on this for the last year and looks like probably just on the side, just messing around. But you can see that, which is great for when you hire people and kind of understanding that. But yeah, I think I do emphasize a lot with that and also like, you know, looking at their history with similar sort of products that are close to ours so that they can bring some maybe thoughts on, you know, roadblocks that they saw in the same sort of uh, similar products and things like that too. Okay. And so you guys have been at the white label business branding for a while now. Do you see um, any changes in, in how bands engage their customers or do you see any trends that your business is going towards, let's say, in the next five years? Um, so, first off, we never wanted to build a company that was scared of, let's say, Google. And we say Google kind of loosely, Google, Facebook, anything that was coming up that was going to be a new standard, mobile device, the watch, whatever, AI, um, VR, whatever. What seems to be happening and what we're, I think we're ready for is that because we're doing things, let's say, at scale for really big brands, we end up becoming um, intentionally their source of truth or their repository for all the most kind of pertinent information for the way that they want their customers to experience you know, their brand. And so today, that experience is still websites, landing pages, obviously mobile first, everything. Um, but wherever they want to push data to, we're also, and we know more than half of, we're, we know more about the stores or the locations or the type of product or the season than even the brand does. And so a lot of times they'll come back to us or obviously the people who are white labeling our platform, and be like, so do we have 160 stores or 162 stores? <laughs> Does this store carry blank, 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 and this, and blank, 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 and that? And it's like, oh my God. Like, And to me, that that's the one of the big ideas of DevHub, is not just sites and landing pages, but being that repository for that data. And then, of course, being able to build those experiences to whatever comes. Um, yeah, so and, like, yeah. yeah, like we had a customer reach out like last week. We've been traditionally powering like different landing page experiences. Part of that's like real time inventory feed that's tied in with their, you know, latest, uh, you know, discounts and pricing, uh, which they have, you know, integrated into their landing page because they want to show an accurate price on there. But then it's like, hey, actually, there's a, you know, the new, like a new get Google initiative we want to do internally in the company to make dynamic ad units. And it's going to be very similar to the landing page, but we want to, you know, present it in a certain format in a certain way. And they're basically asking us, like, you guys already have all this stuff tied together, like location, pricing. How can we expose that in another way? So same, same sort of concept goes with changes in the way that people are marketing so right now it's landing pages, but that could be adapted and uh, you know massaged into different ways for like you know voice search and voice search potentially even like VR exactly. experiences because it's just data at that point because our products aren't static they're not just like one off sites that's just HTML they're all powered yeah. from data so I mean tell them, like a lot of the innovation comes from our yeah. Co- yeah yeah I mean we're have you know historically always been a customer customer driven sort of roadmap of 
this is the stuff that they want to, you know, initiatives they want to take on. This is new uh, features and functionality that they want to roll out with in addition to what we bring as far as, like, good thoughts and processes. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's the way we've grown as a company is seeing those opportunities, making, you know, seeing the potential within our product and then exposing that to the customer. And so far, whether it's luck or our authority with some of our customers, like none of their, let's say, ideas or things that they want to try have been backwards. Like no one's like, hey, we want to implement like some Dreamweaver or something. We, you know, I don't even know what it would be. You know, like we want to do something crazy. It's like lots of blink tags. Yeah, you know, like like pop-ups. No, we're not doing that. Like we would say no. I'm like no, sorry, you're thinking backwards. Go forward. Let's go. You know, but most of it actually has been pretty progressive, mm-hmm. and so it's actually kept us up to date so it's like as standards have been changing forever you know at least the last three years just non-stop boom 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 again mainly from google and where the consumer is on mobile um we've been able to migrate more and more business to our platform because at a certain level of scale they just can't even manage it anymore that makes sense <laughs> Um, is there anything currently that keeps you up at night i mean the only thing that would ever keep me up at night you know as long as, like, everyone all around me is alive, you know, I feel, like, invincible. You know, that's, like, a personal thing. That only thing keeps me up. Because I want them to see, like, how big of something that Daniel and I could have built. One. And then sometimes I feel like we talk about websites and landing pages and it feels a little old. You know? Because, but it's... I mean, that is just what that flavor is that people are using to do. But obviously, I think everyone heard on this call, it's data, it's different experiences, it's wherever mobile goes or whatever vr voice like we're hopefully on that leading edge of that wave and we have all these years of experience and hopefully if it catches us like do i get kicked out of the company you know like weird shit like that i don't even know if that exists you know like potentially as we're about to blow or are blowing right now um and you know staying true to kind of like our culture like i mean uh, like it, no, it's not black and white, but I really do want anyone that works for us to be rich, you know. And like I, I, you know, and that's I think that's really important, you know. So when people see our little squares in town and stuff, you know, it's like, oh shit, you work at that company? How'd you get there? You know, it's only two hundred people, and you guys are doing all this shit. Like, it's nuts. I heard Mark's crazy, and Daniel's like da 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 da, solid as fuck, you know, like. And he, he does all the deals. Is that true? You know, like the story. He's a closer. You know, yeah, he's like the closer. Like, is that really true? And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, it's nuts. You know, we do quarterly bonuses and they do these crazy things and da 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 da, like that. You know, but again, to get there keeps me up at night because we're not there today. You know, people are paid market maybe slightly above, maybe some people slightly below market. You know, like they're choosing to be here because of hopefully that shared vision that we can build something great with few employees blah 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 but if we can't get there to like at least on my end do i look like you know i talked too much and was a failure you know but other than that no as long as everyone stays healthy i'm basically invincible that's my end yeah on the tech side i mean there's nothing like super crazy obviously there's we went through a recession 2009 when we had our company you know start to kind of like you know struggle a little bit so you know weathering that i think we have pretty solid uh infrastructure with our clients uh because a lot of our products are very sticky but you know just overall economy shifts and stuff you know if there's anything major there 
uh, obviously could impact the business growth. And we're at a point where like we want to keep like we're, we've we've seen ex, uh, extreme growth in the last you know two years, and to just keep that going versus any sort of like hiccup, like any like oh we get set back a little bit and then we got to keep going and to hit that sort of big milestone that we want to hit. I mean those are the, the uh, things. And the other thing I don't even know is part of the same thing. It'd be the initiative that you put forward this year yeah. of what the product is by being being able to do that this year I think would be huge yeah yeah I think uh, we've you but know, if we don't do that this year then I get worried that we get left yeah a little bit better. I mean we've uh, you know typically like we've grown like it's been a lot of growth in the last year so we've been focusing on clients uh, client projects rolling things out but yeah one of the initiatives this year is to kind of then go back and implement some of the you know, lingering roadmap items that we want to do as a company to like things that we think people should be doing uh, that are clients that they can't necessarily do themselves right now. So that's definitely one of the initiatives. Well, but, and then um, the other one is the repeatable you, sales process too. Right. Because like she, Mark said, he's, he's talking bad about me right now. <laughs> that's what I said. Believe it or not, that was a dig toward me. No, I mean, and, our growth has been stemmed again from us uh, as individuals, Mark primarily of reaching out to customers to build a relationship, yeah. uh, you know, and it's definitely uh, scalable for us to like grow the company to a you know a big state, but not like a giant state of you know sales. We need to basically still that's still something we're figuring out of like how you know right now we're still a smaller team. If we had twenty salespeople. How would they implement their day to day? Like that's still stuff that we're still like is question marks that we want to get solidified, but yeah. not like huge, you know, I, I, question marks. But thank you. Yeah, the exclamation mark that I would add, like I want people to be able to buy DevHub, right, or yeah. license DevHub by going to DevHub.com. Like right now, you have to talk to me or Daniel. Yeah, and be like, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Is this what you guys do? Yes. And then we like here we turn on their instance, blah blah, blah and they're off and running. But that sometimes those are human conversations. If they can go to the site and do that, like holy shit, that was you know, the reaction we get every time we show off what we do. You know, if they can do that and get to that magic as quickly as possible, that's what I think will be a, a significant, you know, growth. Yeah, yeah. self sign on. I mean, that's what enables like Google and Facebook to serve as many ads as yeah. you is that there's no human in the process I know that keeps me up at night <laughs> <laughs> because customers are calling you and you're calling them. Yeah. well so you know we get a lead from the website and it's like they want to do something it's like yes we can do that you know but then it's like can't reach them for three days you know it's like the process just something that could have been easy they could have figured out quickly without talking to anybody you know it just takes a lot and so yeah well it sounds like you guys know um the areas that you want to focus on. Listen, this podcast, is that what you call it? Yes. Yeah, this <laughs> podcast, you know, I think people will look it up, you know, one day and be like, oh, shit, they did it. Or, oh, no, he didn't do it. <laughs> you know, like, so that's why I really wanted to do it, you know. And so Yeah, and yeah. definitely hoping fingers crossed for the former. Yeah, thank you. So I have more questions, but we're getting close to the end of the show. And so I'm going to transition to my closing questions. Yep. And the first question I ask my guests is, what is something that has inspired you recently? Uh, this could be something in your own life or something that you heard about somewhere else. Something that inspired me recently. Um, 
I mean, really, honestly, everything inspires me that we actually built a company. <laughs> you know, we come in, we're not worrying about money, and we get to actually worry about growing it, you know, but that's probably not really that good. I would say traveling. You know, every time I've traveled, I'm just like, oh, shit, the world's a huge place. It's not just, you know, Dev Hub <laughs> and, and the blocks that we live, because we live down here, too, you know. It's not just, you know, Belltown. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's a lot bigger than this, you know, and so... Um, that's always inspiring. What was your last trip? I just came back from uh, Copenhagen and uh, Russia and Malta. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Russia is like a legitimate country. <laughs> you know, you never know when you hear the stuff on the news. I had no idea. And so, yeah. Yeah, nothing like going there in person. Yeah. Just take you out of here and I mean, you know, I have to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I loved it. You know, but I loved it. <laughs> I think you can say anything you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I'm sweating right now for some reason. I don't know why, but I loved it. You know, like I thought it was. I was like, oh my god, like this is great. Like you know, you know. But yeah, some people probably have different opinions on that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, obviously, I just see you know like that acceleration of kind of new technologies and how it's just becoming exponential. So like that's like super, you know, inspiring to see even like these uh you know companies that were like even like 10 years ago like we were dealing with them and it was a lot of like just basically pulling them across the finish line to get you know to move to do things but people are you know now at this point have to do it like things are moving so fast that they need to be able to execute otherwise they're going to die so that's super inspiring to see our customers actually come to us with you know creative ideas things like that which was not necessarily uh in the past mm -hmm. And then internally in the company, just um, uh, it's super inspiring to see as we've grown from a small team where everybody kind of had, you know, was basically involved in every single project that went live to be able to see, you know, individual teams on our side uh, be able to execute independently following our processes and then have customers uh, have a great experience. Well, and, personally? Uh, I mean, personally, just, um, you know, inspire obviously travels a big thing you know just seeing the world and things but also to see uh you know my friends and family doing well in their particular industries like you know and seeing their innovations and you know uh, just learning from them too yeah yeah good like the next question um is what is something that is unusual or unexpected that most people might not know about you Um, I mean, the people that don't know me, or the people that do know me, what, what they don't know about me? Or yeah, just, what if, like somebody that knew you, what would they find surprising? Probably that I do actually get up at like 4.30 in the morning most days, <laughs> you know, and work out, you know? Because I think a lot of times our friends see us, like obviously when we're trying to party, you know, but they don't realize like how hard we're actually working almost every single day day in day out they only see like the fun parts um and then maybe the other thing would be like how like on my end at least how often i hang out with probably my parents you know? <laughs> like because it's not just a joke like it's at least four or five times a week mm. like today we're gonna we have a client next door you know that guy is a client of ours in the healthcare vertical and um He's the CEO of the company, and so he's visiting us in Seattle. I don't know why I'm whispering. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're taking him out tonight, obviously, right? And uh, my dad will be with us. Yeah, that's going to be nice that you're able to show people, to yeah. keep your family involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I think 
for me, probably the most when people kind of come and interact with me in the office, typically there's a lot of stuff going on. So like I'm super focused in on stuff, but I'm always kind of still aware of everything that's happening. Like, you know, and anybody can walk up to my desk at any time and ask me a question. But like, if someone's like a new employee, it's like, just come up and talk to me, interrupt me. I'm not going to get distracted. And you know, that's something that's like, I would say like, I think people probably be shocked, like how much you actually talk. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Like, I try to get it on my Instagram story, you know, like, Daniel's doing this, Daniel's doing that, you know, because I've heard, like, they're like, you know, is Daniel shy? Is he talking? I'm like, yes, he closes all of our freaking deals. Like, yeah. Who do you think is, I can say yes, and I can get you excited, but when they ask me, like, how? Daniel's <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to, you know, observe everything that's going on and then interject where I feel like it's possible, you know, but... I would also say... I do not... Sometimes in some conversations, especially if it's, like, someone that's, like, you know, an expert in their field, I'm not, like, interjecting and stuff too much. But, you know, on the day-to-day, like, you know, obviously I talk a lot. <laughs> uh, I would also say that, um, God, I don't know if this is bad. We can, I guess, we'll, we'll see. But Daniel party's pretty hard. <laughs> you know, like, don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say, like... I'm like, sometimes I'll hype it up, you know, and then I'll bail. He's out. <laughs> He's still out. Crazy. And then gets up at four in the morning yeah. to do exercises. No, 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 he doesn't do that. Yeah, I, I still get up early because yeah. East Coast clients, but um, yeah, still just, you know, being, you know, still coming into the office. But yeah, I mean, I have a just I strong work ethic <laughs> coming in in the morning, you know, just executing, doing things. But I have a you know easy way of just like easily kind of shutting that off and like relaxing like i think that's key i you know i'm not like stressing about like or thinking about specifics of like a project in the middle of the night or something that maybe some people do and then they get burnt out yeah that's a valuable i know when i can like check out and you know just take a little break basically so and you do not want to be with him when he's doing that (laughs) (laughs) when he's checking out and taking a break he's man he's scary well my next question is, what is a principle that you live by? Mine's is like from like third grade. It's like, if you know you're right and you're good looking, go for it. <laughs> you know, like I just, like AKA, just don't care. You know, like I just say like, we're all really good looking. Even Kevin's good looking. You yeah, know? you can- <laughs> Somebody has told me that uh, you have a face made for podcasting. <laughs> that was one of the people I talked to. You know, so, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I just said, do you. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, yeah, for me, it's about just uh, before, like, pushing an initiative or something like that, at least having, you know, reaching out to learn about something before I'm speaking to it. Like, that's kind of a key thing. Like, if I don't know about some technology I'm not gonna like pretend that I do yeah um, I will take some time and spend do some research even if it's like basic so because we work in so many different industries there might be like something that's specific to an industry and I'm not gonna like speak to that unless I understand it in its kind of basic form and that also helps me understand you know adoption of new technologies too because it's like you know I understand and connect the dots and find similar you know, technologies that can overlap. Yeah. And I just have one more question before I let the both of you go. 
And this is open-ended. So is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't yet covered or promote to my listeners now? I would say that no two business uh, stories are the same. You know, like while we might not appear in many of the awards, win a bunch of awards, um, you know, be published in the magazines, again, at least right yet, um, you know, like, like we would be a story to watch, you know, in terms of what not to do, what to do, you know, and what potentially success will look like. It was 11 years. It wasn't overnight. Behind Kevin is a bunch of articles that we've been in that more or less mean nothing, but I, the reason I have them out is just because it shows a history that was a real... It's a real history, real people, and I feel like at, at 36, you know, don't forget, we started in business at 17. I honestly thought we were building, you know, a Facebook or an Amazon or something back then, you know? It, it wasn't like that. You had college, you know multiple attempts you know things were good things were bad but i think everything lined up in life for us to run this company in this moment and so whether that turns into be you know a fortune company or it sells for 30 million next year you know that was what was supposed to happen you know and so i think this is as close to the growers you can get you know and so this would be a story to really watch and you can on Instagram at devhub.com uh, <laughs> or, or <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. socials <laughs> any other links no, you I'm just kidding I, I, I was like how the hell would people watch that story but yeah anyway yeah it's it's there yeah and if anybody's you know in so our office is located uh, like in kind of downtown Seattle in the Belltown area um, so anybody that's in town visiting or that is here you know we love to have guests too so if you want to stop by just feel free to reach out you know, hit us up on LinkedIn or whatever, but, you know, swing by, you know, we can just hang out for a sec, strategize a little bit. It's great to have different minds coming through. So Yeah. yeah. And we'll include that link to your address and all those notes, once again, on the show notes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, in the meantime, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk with me, and this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very much. I'm going to hug you. <laughs> hey, this is Kevin again, which is a few more things before you go. First of all, thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the show, you can do so by going to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and giving us a rating. That would be much appreciated. Otherwise, until next time, hope you have some great conversations.